this message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. We're going to break bread together this morning because we've been brought together into the new covenant with Christ Jesus. No orphans, brothers and sisters with a heavenly father and um, I'd love for us to uh, read through 1 John together this morning because I believe God wants to speak to us about this, this new covenant that he's brought us into and, and as we know covenant has been the theme that we've been considering now for the past few months on and off. But as part of our Boundary Stone series, covenant is something that is incredibly important to God. It's how he functions. He's a, a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. He's a, he's a God who initiates covenant and who remains faithful to his covenants. And it's the vehicle through which God expresses his love, which is covenantal. God's love is faithful. It's determined it's steadfast. It's solid. It's always the same. It never changes. Refuses to give up. Refuses to be um, reduced in any way or, or hampered in any way. His love is constant. God's love towards you this morning is constant and unchanging. He loves you. He loves me. Words that we say so often and yet we're talking here about our Heavenly Father. Who loves us. It's a fantastic truth. And God wants us to know his love because God wants us to express his love to one another. And that's when the rubber hits the road. And I want to talk this morning about covenant love. You know, we live in a society, we live in a culture, we live in a world where covenant is under pressure. I was reading some statistics that said in 2012, the um, Expected rate of divorce in England and Wales is 42%. And uh, so 42% of marriages are expected to end in divorce based on, on previous results. That's, that's a breakdown of covenant. And uh, as I read that, I, I, I began to look at times, uh, peaks and troughs of the divorce rate. Because we might think that divorce rate is kind of doing this. When actually it's sort of doing this. And what they found was that actually during times of recession, divorce rates increase compared to times of plenty. And also they found that in times of challenge and difficulty in a marriage, for example, the birth of a child with, with a disability, that puts such a stress on the marriage that the divorce rate almost doubles in those relationships. And you know what? God doesn't want our covenant relationships to be dependent on internal or external pressures. He wants our covenant relationship to be consistent no matter what's going on around us and what's happening within the family as well. And that's when the challenges come, isn't it? Pressures from outside, internal pressures from within. But God says, I don't want you to break covenant. There is no reason, no excuse to break covenant. I want you to keep covenant together. And the only way that we'll do that is by loving one another, being committed to one another, being devoted to one another. We live in a society where too many, um, we have so much choice now 
In fact, the right to choose and the right to switch and the right to change is, is part and parcel of everything. My parents, when they had a, their first mortgage, had a 25-year mortgage with the same company that was meant to extend for the whole 25 years. Nobody does that anymore. Well, very few people. We have a mortgage for two years with an opportunity to switch after two years' time. We have a, a contract with a gas or electric company with the expectation that within a year we need to change again or switch or a mobile phone company. We live in a society where we choose what's best for us. The options are there. And, and if it doesn't work for me, then I'm just going to change, do something else. You know, there's nothing wrong with looking for a good deal in the, in the market. But when it comes to the church, we are covenanted together through thick and thin. And covenant love is the glue that holds us together. Covenant love is the one thing that helps us stick together no matter what's happening. In our own lives, in the lives of one another, it doesn't make any difference. We are a covenant people. You know, when we read in, uh, David spoke a few weeks ago and he, and he shared about the church in Ephesus growing from 12 people, 12 men in, uh, I think it's in Romans, uh, sorry, in Acts 12, to around 10 to 20,000 people by the time he writes his letter to the church in Ephesus. And then, and then John writes his letter to the church, and he says this to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. You're doing so many good things. You're doing really, really well. But I have this against you. This is Jesus talking to the church. He says, you've forgotten your first love. My version says, the New Living Translation says, you don't love me or each other as you once did. And as I read that, I thought, well, actually, other translations purely say, you don't love me as you used to. But actually, the New Living broadens it and says, you don't love me or each other. You know what? If we love him, we will love one another. That's the process. When we're brought into a new covenant with God, oh, if only it was just me and him. Oh, if it was only just me and God, and and Lord, we could just skip through life together and and, and we'd have such a wonderful time because God is perfect and, and God is, is wonderful and God is awesome and powerful and, and, so, and, and I'm not worthy but you've lifted me and elevated me and we have this wonderful relationship and God says yes and it's with the Graveses and it's with Linda Blockley and it's with Steph and Diana and you say oh Lord that's such a blessing no there's something powerful isn't there about the image of the cross because not only did the cross reach between heaven and earth, this lineup that expressed God's love, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Jesus returned to the Father in glory. Covenant is expressed in that upright aspect of the cross. But that's just a line without the cross that goes across, that reaches out where Jesus says, and I am embracing all that come to me. At the heart of the cross is something that's vertical, but it's also expressed horizontally. The cross of Christ Jesus brings us into a covenant relationship with him and with one another. And I'm so blessed that I'm in covenant with the Graveses and Linda Blockley and Steph and Diana and all of us here this morning. Is it always easy? No. Is God's covenant love to us always easy for him? I don't think it should be, but he seems to just continue to love no matter what. Whether my walk with him is superficial or deep, whether I seem to be doing well or badly, his love to me is consistent. And it's the same for us with one another. I believe that our love for Jesus will always be reflected in our love for one another. And I'm not the only one. John believed that as well. Our agape, our covenant love 
You know, sometimes we can do the right things with the wrong motives. If you've got children and you ask them to do a job, I want you to do the washing up or I want you to put your shoes away, and they begin to do the job, the right thing, but you just get an inkling that maybe the motive isn't quite there in the same way. (laughs) Or the plates slam down on the draining board as they do the washing up. You know what? God wants us to do everything right with the right heart attitude. That's why Paul can write to the Corinthians and says, you can speak in the languages of angels and all men. You can have faith to move mountains. You can give your life to the poor. But if you don't have love, the motive is wrong. You're doing all the right things, but without love, it clangs and it clashes. Love is at the heart of everything that we do. Paul says some people even preach the gospel out of competition. And he says, I'm just glad the gospel's being preached, but their motive is wrong. They're doing the right thing. Jesus says, some of you will cast out demons in my name, but I'll say, I don't even know you. God wants love to be at the heart of everything that we do. Right motive. The only way that our motives will be truly right is when we love one another. So if we turn in our Bibles to 1 John, please. I'm going to read through these, these five chapters. John had such incredible revelation. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so it may be easier just to listen. If you want to follow, that's absolutely fine. It's worth checking that I'm reading what's on the page. But, it, you know, in, in, this, uh, in this one chapter, Paul mentions the word, uh, sorry, John mentions the word agape to either love one another or to be loved or to how God loves us or what God is like. He went, mentions the word agape 52 times in just one book, one letter. And so I think that's kind of the heart of what he's getting at. It's said of John that towards the end of his life when he would come and preach to the church, and I've said this before, they would introduce John. You can imagine the introduction John would get. This is the one who rested his head on our Savior's chest as they ate together. This is the one that, that our Savior himself called, the, the one that he, he loved closest and was, was the best friend. He was, he was cousin. He looks at, he's looked after the, our Savior's mother. He's been entrusted with such secrets and revelation. And everybody would wait with anticipation to hear what this wonderful disciple of Christ in his 80s or even his 90s would say as he shuffled forward, what revelation is John going to give us? Little children, love one another. And back he'd go to his seat. Is that it? John says, you do that and you're revealing something of your love for Christ, God's love being made sure and true in your heart, expressed as you love one another. This is the covenant that God has called us into. It's covenant, not convenient. So I'm going to read these verses. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, uh, John mentions two types of fellowship. Fellowship one with another, but it's born out of 
us having a shared fellowship with him. Those two things that are completely interconnected. Verse 4, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now we declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves, and we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You know, this morning, if there's any sin, before we break bread, the word tells us we should examine our hearts, examine ourselves, make sure there's nothing in us that is sin. And if there is, we come to him and we repent. And God says he forgives us from all sin and unrighteousness as we confess our sins. Thank you, Lord. If we claim we haven't sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I'm not writing this to you, sorry, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. We can live a life where we do not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone says, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is, why, that is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I think six times he uses this phrase. In my version it says, dear friends. But in the original he says, beloved. Those upon whom agape has been given. Beloved. Be agaped. <laughs> my dear friends, I'm writing, sorry, I'm not writing with a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one that you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you've heard before. Who has heard this message that we're to love one another? Who has heard that spoken before? He says, I know it's old. I appreciate it. We've said it from the beginning that God has said it back in Deuteronomy that Jesus repeated it. I understand that this is old and yet this has to be brand new for us. That every day we live in the newness of this incredible commandment. Yet it is also new, verse 8 of chapter 2. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is living and walking in darkness. Such a person doesn't know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. 
I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I am writing to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. And then he goes and he sets up this contrast. Verse 15, he says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for anything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I'm writing these things to you to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. says this, see how very much Our Father loves us. This is covenant language. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. There are no orphans here this morning. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Beloved, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. You know, this meal is an opportunity and a means of us helping to keep ourselves pure. 
Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who doesn't live righteously and doesn't love other believers does not belong to God. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We mustn't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. He's not pulling any punches, is he? And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. God has already shown us what covenant love already is. He laid his life down for us. It's sacrificial, isn't it? Covenant love is sacrificial love. It puts others first. It puts me last. If someone has enough money to live well but sees a brother or sister in need and shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? God's love, covenant love, is sacrificial, but it's also practical. Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. Beloved, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the Spirit gave us, uh, because the Spirit, sorry, He gave us, lives in us. Dear friends, beloved, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must first test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and doesn't acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. 
which you have heard is coming into this world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they don't belong to God, they won't listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Here's the crux. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now this morning you might be thinking, I, I, how do I love my brother or sister? Simple, we, we receive it from God. It says, love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, it comes from knowing God, from knowing his love, allows us, enables us to love one another. God is our source of love this morning. It's not about you trying harder to love people. But it's saying, God, I'm receiving your love this morning. Fill my heart with your love. Let me understand how much you love me and help that love overflow into my love for one another, for others around me. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You know what? Covenantal love comes from God and covenantal love takes the initiative. There was nothing in us that deserved God's love. There was nothing lovely about me. But God chose to love me. Sometimes we want somebody to give us something so that we can love them. That's how the world loves. God says, I want you to be the initiator of love. I don't want you to look and find a reason to love somebody and then love them. Just love them. They might rub you up the wrong way. Just love them. But they're very different to me. They don't see things. Just love them. Oh, I get on really well with them. Good. Just love them. It doesn't matter. We are the ones who are responsible for our love. Sometimes it's, I can love you because, because we're like one another. I get you and you get me. I love you. It's so easy. And then somebody else, they're very different to you. They don't see things your way. Mm, I love you a bit less. God says, no, the source of love is me. It comes from me. It comes from my love for you. My love in you is then expressed to everybody else regardless. Let love be your initiative. That's the covenant love that God has called us to. God showed us how much he loved us by sending the one and only son into the world. He took the initiative so that we might have eternal life. This is real love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, beloved, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us 
and his love is brought to full expression in us. You can be a means of somebody understanding something of God's love by the way that you love them. We express love, we express God, we reveal God in our love for one another. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. Who declares Jesus is the Son of God this morning? Give me a wave. Then it says this, God lives in you. God lives in you. God's love is in you. God's spirit is in you this morning. And you live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. It's just all piled together. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Covenant. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, that he's the one who was sent to save us and deliver us, you're a child of God this morning. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water. And by the shedding of his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit who is truth confirms confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God, and God has testified about his son. All who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. You know what, this morning, the work that Jesus has done in your life is perfect. It's complete. His blood is enough. The waters of baptism are enough. The filling of the Holy Spirit is enough for us to come into the fullness of what it means to be sons of God. Nothing else. It's not dependent on anything else. It's on his blood, our baptism, and our filling of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, that is what seals everything. That's the testimony this morning that you belong to God. Not how you feel, not what other people say about you, but the witness of the Holy Spirit 
that says you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb this morning. The waters of baptism have cut away your past. You've been left dead, the old you is buried, and you've been risen to life in Christ, and he's filled you with his Holy Spirit to live the life that God has called you to live, to enable you to love in the way that God loves. It's the only way that we can do it. We can't be right with God any other way, and we can't be right with each other any other way, other than living in the truth of this this morning. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. I think that deserves an amen. He has given us eternal life. Thank you, Lord. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever doesn't have God's son doesn't have life. But we have the son this morning. We have eternal life. Oh, Holy Spirit, let us understand the life that we've come into this morning. The life that's come into us this morning. Holy Spirit, let that life bubble up right now. I have written this to you who believe in the, in the name of the Son of God, so that you may now have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. What pleases God? What sort of things please God? Health, justice, righteousness, holiness, goodness, salvation, peace, joy. If you're asking for those things this morning, we're confident that he hears us when we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that doesn't lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are God's children, or sorry, we know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding, so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Wonderful words. I'm going to ask that the table be brought forward and we're going to um, break bread and, and take the cup this morning because this meal represents the new covenant that we've come into this morning. And as we, um, you know, in our worship, God was wanting us to consider how exalted Jesus is and the reality of his kingship and lordship to be in awe of his majesty and his splendor. But also he wants us to understand who we are in the light of that. And my prayer this morning is that as we take this bread and drink this cup together, that a few things will happen. Firstly, that there'll be a confirmation of who we are before God. As Stefan brought an encouragement that we're not orphans, but we're children. We're sons of God this morning. We're sons of God this morning. And for some of us to have a fresh sense and understanding of what that really means. For some of us, that will mean 
I'm a son of God. I can't live that way anymore. I can't be, making, I can't be pursuing this relationship anymore. Uh, I can't be investing my time in this anymore. I can't be allowing this part of my life to, to, to dominate me. This uh, aspect of, the, of temptation to, to drag me away. It means I, I can't allow those things to dominate me anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm a son of God, and it's time to live in a righteous and holy way, just like Jesus. For some of us, it will be a fresh sense of love, God's love towards us. To be a son, and I'm talking about men and women here, will mean to know that we are favored by him, that we have our heavenly father on our side. And for some of us, we'll be strengthened by that in challenges that we're facing. And I also believe this, there's health to come from this table this morning. I don't say that lightly. I truly believe that there is health to come into the body of Christ this morning. Because as we, as we realize who God is, as we realize who we are in the light of that, as we realize what we are together as brothers and sisters, as we're united together, God blesses it. Life comes, health comes, the Holy Spirit moves, things change as a result. Sin is dealt with. Backs are turned on sin. Relationships are restored where there's been a breakdown and we've held something against one another. We say, I'm getting over that. I'm putting that aside. And I'm saying, I'm with you. You're my brother. I'm your, I'm your sister. I'm your brother. These things don't de- determine us. Our heavenly father, our relationship in him determines us. Not this petty squabble. Not this minor issue. Our relationship is built on something far bigger than this. This is what this meal can do for us this morning. Bring strength and wholeness and unity and revelation and healing in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to ask the youth to come and distribute the bread. That's okay. If generally, they sit over on this side. Everybody look this way. Do you guys want to come up and, and take the bread? What a great blessing these young people are. You're, you're serving us this morning because you can serve us any time. God will speak through you to us to be ready to be stirred to bring the word of God to us anytime. But you're going to bring the bread this morning. I'm going to ask that you distribute the bread. We're going to hold it together. I'm going to take the bread together. I ask you to hold some back as well so that we can bless one another and pray for one another this morning. You know what? When, when we recognize and we understand the love that God has for us, you know, God wants us this morning to love securely, to know that we're secure in his love. God wants us to love initi- initiatively. He wants us to take the initiative and love one another. He wants us to love sacrificially, to love practically, to love faithfully, to love extra- extravagantly. And as we take this bread this morning, God's going to minister something of our togetherness and our unity and our oneness We're not bothers and blisters, we're brothers and sisters. We're not bothers and blisters, blisters, we're brothers and sisters. We need to see one another this morning in a fresh light. And as you take the bread, just look around the room. Be appreciative of who you're joined with this morning. You know, we might be slightly depleted in number, people being on holiday. But as we take this bread, I I, I believe as well, we can take it for those who aren't present with us this morning, that we can think of them and pray for them. David and Deborah up in Wakefield, 
ministering to the church up there this weekend. Chris and Ellie have gone off on their holiday with the family, which is fantastic. We pray that they'll be blessed, and we know they'll be a blessing. Others are away, and school holidays have kicked off. But we're united in Christ Jesus. If you've not had a piece of bread yet, if you just want to raise your hand to help the young people come and distribute the bread. Just as you take it, said this before, this isn't about being somber, but it is about being sober. It's about saying, Lord, I understand what you've brought me into. I understand the sacrifice that you made for me. I understand the, the love that you have for me and the love that you desire me to have for you and for me to have for your people, for your church for my brothers and sisters. And in the context of that, causes us to make sure that there's nothing in us that we're holding on to, but instead we deal with anything. We repent of any sin. We deal with any disruption and discord in the body. We put things right. So that as we take this meal, it's an expression of our complete and utter unity, togetherness. So when everybody's got a piece, if we could stand together, please. You guys got some? Thank you. You stay here, guys, because then you can do the wine. That'll be great. If you young people just line up here for a moment. Young people, that's how old I'm getting. And what I'd like you to do is just reach your hand out towards the, the church here. And just where you are, just, just bless them in the name of Jesus. Just in your own prayers, just speak a blessing over the body this morning. It's blessing. 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 This isn't a token gesture. Something being released. Blessing of God. This is the body. Blessing. Brothers and sisters, blessing one another this morning. And as they bless you, bless them. Speak blessing over these young people. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you for this body, Lord. We thank you that you've joined us together. And Lord, we say we're united in you, Lord Jesus. And as we take this bread this morning, we take it with an acknowledgement that you've brought us together. Holy Spirit, as we take this bread, let there be confirmation of who we are. Let it do us good in a way that goes beyond physical sustenance, but spiritually now. Let nutrition flow. Let strength flow in the name of Jesus as we take this bread. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, just as you've begun blessing, when you take the cup, as you hand it, blessing is going to come through the cup so if you want to take a glass each that would be great there's an exchange this morning of blessing from one another and from the blood this morning there's a power thank you Lord thank you Lord
As we take this cup now, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your blood. We thank you that your word says life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. That life be imparted in the name of Jesus as we take this cup, we pray. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I encourage you as you feel led to, to break bread with somebody, to bless them, to encourage them, to give them a bit of bread and, and, and to pray God's blessing over them. You don't need to bring long prayers. God might encourage you to pray in a certain way, that's fine, but just to bless one another this morning, to take the bread. I'm going to ask Benj to, to play. We're going to worship as we, as we end our time. But I really believe God wants us to impart strength this morning in the body, through the body. Because everything that's needed is here this morning to minister to one another. We all come with something to bring, to bless and encourage and strengthen one another, to administer healing and strength in the name of Jesus. For some of us, that might be a bit of a step out. But you know what love does? Love stops me being self-conscious and inhibited, and it stops me being self-promoted and proud. It bridges the gaps between those two extremes of, I'm too shy, I'm too self-conscious to look at me. In between those extremes, love says, it's not about look at me, and it's not about, I'm not good enough, but instead, because I love this person, I just want to bless them, and so I'm going to overcome any shyness, any self-consciousness to express God's love this morning. So there's bread here, there's wine here. We're going to worship as we end our time. Thanks so much for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, please visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.